Welcome to Literacy Mike, where we have conversations about learning. I'm your host for today, Ethan Myers. Literacy Mike is a podcast produced by Washtenaw Literacy. The views of the guests are their own. Believing that literacy is the foundation for a sustainable community, Washtenaw Literacy provides literacy support free of charge to adults through a network of trained tutors. In today's episode, Program Coordinator Jennifer Musser talks to Donna DeButz. Donna has worn many hats over the years, from volunteer to the first executive director. She'll take us on a journey through the agency's past and speculate on its future. As you'll hear, Donna is a charismatic and captivating speaker. Luckily, we have her for over 20 minutes today. When we join their conversation, Donna is taking us back to 1985, where she was a volunteer student tutor coordinator. Listen for her description of how Washtenaw Literacy grew and the impact it had on the Michigan adult literacy landscape, as well as her own favorite learner story. Let's dive in. Shortly after that, um, money started to flow into adult literacy and libraries in the form of the Library Services and Construction Act, Title VI. And the way it worked is money went from the feds to the state of Michigan library, the state of Michigan library put out requests for proposals and they then divvied up their $186,000 or whatever their slice of the title six pie was. And the Ypsilanti district library and um, Washington literacy paired up on that grant request and got $18,000 to start a literacy program. Well, you know, some people got the money and had no literacy provider in their area, so they were starting from scratch. We'd already been in place since 1971, so we had, you know, Washington Literacy had a mechanism um, and materials and training and all that sort of stuff. The library said, we desperately need literacy assistance on the east side of the county, we would love to go for this money. We have no bandwidth in order to use any of our staff to do that. And so the board said, oh boy, let's collaborate with the Ypsilanti District Library. And this was 1985. We collaborated with them, put the proposal together, and we were awarded the $18,000. Well, then the board looks around and says, well, who's going to be the primary person who is going to be in the office to do these things. And they all kind of turned like this and went, oh, I think it's going to be Donna because she's the student tutor coordinator now, you know. And so um, that's how it began. Uh, you know, I had no, never in my, you know, where they say, what are you going to be doing five years from now? Well, I had no plan in my mind that that would be a professional uh, track that I would follow. But um, so I started working February of 1986 okay. for 10 hours, a, for 20 hours a week, $10 an hour in the basement of the Ypsilanti District Library on Michigan Avenue. Then I became a member of the Michigan Literacy Incorporated Board, which was a state okay. organization that exists. And then I worked with, um, we had a group of trainers. Well, how long do you want this to go on? <laughs> you can keep going. Donna. Okay, there's two national organizations. At this time in 1984, there were two national organizations that did adult literacy. Strangely believe it, they were both in Syracuse, New York. Hmm. Okay. Across town from each other. One was Laubach Literacy Action, 
and they used a very left brain approach. Here's a book. We start at the basics and then we build, 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 build. One of Laubach's um, disciples, I guess, uh, somebody that worked with him mm-hmm. said, you know, I don't know if that's the best way for adults to learn. So she went over to Cor- Cornell University and said, you know, how do adults learn? Well, how could we help make this easier for them or different or, you know, without having to have books if you don't have it? So they were told and they decide, came up with what was called the language story, life experience, story, language experience approach, LEA. Okay, the LEA. Okay. All right. Okay. So they did more of a right brain. Here, Jennifer, tell me a story. I'll write it down you will learn to read the words that you have said in your story. They had no books. They had no, you know, serious <laughs> materials and that kind of stuff. So here you've got kind of a left brain workbook based method. And over here, you've got a paper pencil, you know, uh, language experience approach. Well, what we found out in the state of Michigan, there was about 24 literacy councils at the time, 22 of them used Laubach way to reading and two of them, Lansing and Detroit, used Literacy Volunteers of America's approach, the language experience. Okay. So we got a bunch of trainers together and said, how can we work together to make, you know, Michigan more accessible to mm-hmm. uh, everybody to become tutors? And once we kind of were in conversation with with each other, it was like, is there really a difference between the LVA, the Literacy Volunteers of America approach and Laubach Literacy Action? How many commonalities might we have? in, Mm -hmm. in, So anyway, we were meeting in Oakland County at the Oakland Community College, one of their rooms, and we met on a rolling basis and tried to go through the elements of both of our trainings. And we came up with like 10 um, areas where we agreed on things that people wanted to learn or incorporating in there, including writing, spelling, you know, all the things that are, are, are taught. And um, so then Pat Fry sat down and tried to put those uh, elements together. And she had a dot matrix printer at home. So the very first lit start that came out of her, our collaboration with trainers and Pat writing up and, and, you know, kind of taking these 10 areas Mm -hmm. um, became the Michigan method, which the state department of education approved and um, they, <laughs> we had a little spiral bound book. It was, can you see? It's about this thick with a little spiral black. Yeah, spiral like maybe hand. a centimeter. Yeah, yes, it was. It was very slim. Oakland schools printed it for a buck, I think, and uh, we sold them for three. So then you have a book, and people are saying, "Well, how can I use the Lit Start?" Can I use it with my Laubach way to train, way to reading? Can I use it with my LVA, my language experience method? And of course, yes, is the answer, right? Because what works is what works. The more tools a tutor has, the more options they have to meet the learner where they are and take them forward. So, so Pat and I, and, uh, couple of other uh, coordinators got together and put together a trainer's training 
Okay. Um, and I think in like September of 86, we did the first of those training trainers how to use the Michigan method and this little Lit Start book. Meeting Pat Fry and taking that Laubach tutor training workshop changed the course of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a big fork in the road, as they say, and I took that one. So yeah. um, it it just it was it's been very important and and wonderful, wonderful opportunities. Um, so and like you say, it's the people that really make it make it work. Um, you meet so many, I mean, the learners that you've met just have such grit in order to pursue what they want from life and dear, sweet people. My, my own personal learner story that, um, was my first to learner I had by myself at that time we were meeting in each other's homes. So this learner came to my house um, and, uh, when he came, he, the story I heard from him was he could read four words, the word love, and then the name of his wife and the name of his two daughters. And those were the four words he could read and write. All right. And, sorry. Could you repeat those words? Cause I think the internet cut for a second. Okay. Well, this guy's name was, shall I use his name or? No. Okay. Let's call him Leon then. Um, Leon had a wife and two daughters. He lived in uh, a mobile home park and he couldn't get a job. He was on uh, welfare, whatever they called it at the time, DHS or SSI, whatever. He was 32 years old. He had no interest in having government money. He had dropped out of school when he was 12, I think. He was a minor in Kentucky. Um, he talked about the time that he would hold a gun in his lap while his uncle was playing poker. And he would, you know, to keep everybody honest, he in his teens would sit with a gun in his lap to uh, keep everybody going. So he wanted a job, but nobody in Ypsilanti would hire him with a reading level of four words, right? That's not going to get it done. So he had been told by his uh, social services worker, you need to get your skills up. Here's a card, call Washington Literacy. Well, he did. I got matched to him and we set up a time to get started and um, so we did. And I, of course, was a Laubach way to reading tutor. And so we started with book one. This is a bird with a long tail and a round body. Say bird. This looks like a bird with a long tail and a round body. Say B. B has the sound B. Say B. What's this word? Blah, blah, blah. So we did that for 18 months. We went through books one, two, and three of the Laubach reading and he got better. I mean, he he was one I don't think that had uh, learning challenges so much as he just never had opportunity. And so after 18 months, um, he was reading, you know, third grade level reading material. He went and applied for a job as a custodian and they hired him because he took their simple little test and he read at a third grade reading level, which was their low bar. So, you know, that 
made a big difference in that family's life. But the part I love best is the man really had no ego about not being a reader. You know, it wasn't tied up in his Mm. self-esteem so much. It was just an impediment to getting a job. Mm. So he told me after we'd worked together about six months, he said, you know, Donna, I didn't think you'd make any difference, you know, that I would get any better. I've tried other programs before and it's I've never learned how. So it's like, well, thank goodness he didn't tell me that when we started. I would (laughs) I would have not been so you know gung ho and let's do this, you know. But so that was one. The other was he said, you know, everywhere I go my wife takes me first. We drive. So to find their way to my house the day before they had taken my directions and she had driven and said, Oh, this is the, where her house is and so forth. Okay. So that was an eye opener to me. I had no idea. How does somebody who doesn't read get around in a town that they didn't grow up in? Mm-hmm. And then the um, third thing that was my still my favorite story uh, about Leon and his family is that his older daughter was a second grader. She was Midland fair, as they say, as a reader in second grade. Um, And she had some physical challenges. So anyway, but the same time that she was in second grade, Leon was working with me. And so I would say to him, you know, you'd read some books to your daughters. They're just at the perfect age, seven and four, I think they were. And, you know, get some, go to the library. I mean, I was in the library, come to the library. Well, you know, whatever. So he did, he would bring his wife and two daughters. They would go into the youth part of the downtown library. They would look at books together. They would sit down and they would read the fuzzy yellow duck book together because he understood that he had to start somewhere. And it wasn't all, gee, I want to read about motorcycles and hunting. He knew, you know, so him reading to his daughters improved his reading, of course, Mm -hmm. but his daughter went from being a Midland Fair reader in second grade to one of the top readers in her class. That's awesome. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about, right? When you talk about family literacy, it's um, breaking that cycle. And one would hope that they, you know, the two daughters were readers and finished high school and all of the things that he didn't get a chance to do. So unfortunately, as you know, this story too well, he got what he wanted, which was a job and working midnights and had his family. And so he and I didn't see each other after much after that. There was a few times after he got the job, but it was like, well, I'm too tired or blah, 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 and so forth. So he could have done so much more. Third grade isn't the be all and end all. I think his wife continued to do most of the family business and um, major reading kind of things for them. But anyway, it was it was a a satisfying experience for me and it got him his goal. And that's, isn't that what tutoring is all about? What do you want? How can I help you? Where can we start? You know, we'll go as far as you want. And I know some tutors have been with their learners for, you know, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, Aaron, I think has had a person that she's tutored for like 10 years or something. And it's like, there's, setting new goals, setting new goals and keep reaching, keep stretching, keep growing. Um, It's, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. 
Interested in how you can get involved with Washtenaw Literacy? Come and learn about volunteer options at an ABC's of Washtenaw Literacy Information Session. Sessions are frequently offered, so find one that best fits your schedule at washlit.link forward slash ABC's. That's W-A-S-H-L-I-T dot L-I-N-K forward slash A-B-C-S. Thank you for listening to Literacy Mike. Up next, Donna talks about her job at the Ypsilanti District Library and how it related to the work she did at Washtenaw Literacy. And finally, she speculates about the future of the agency and where it might be in the next 50 years. Let's rejoin the conversation. When I left Washtenaw Literacy, I went and worked for the library as the communications person for 17 and a half years. And what is the similarity between those two jobs? Well, both of them, there's a love of reading at the core, but the second is sharing information with other people. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, at the core of who I am is if I know something, I want to share it with somebody else. It isn't that I want to know it and become an expert in that field in order to become an expert. I want to know as many different things as possible. Why is the moon where it is? And how does an eclipse work? And what is going on with Yellowstone? And what is a caldera? And, you know, those kinds of things um, interest me and excite me. And sharing that with learners who are thirsty Mm -hmm. for, for knowledge about something or curious, you know, that nobody has ever really satisfied what it is that they want to know about because Mm -hmm. they can't read a book well enough in order to extract that information. They don't listen necessarily to informational kind of programs on PBS or, um, you know, Animal Channel or the Discovery Channel or whatever. And so I think that's at the core of what my career of 20 some years, 25 years, we'll see, 15 and 17 32 years, okay, 32. Um, is was all about the sharing with people. Yes. It isn't so much the content, the, the, the similarities are curiosity and getting information from print and then sharing that with people who you can see it's important to them. I mean, the library is incredibly important to this community. Yes. And, you know, not enough people use it still, but, you know, with remote opportunities there, they, they can, I mean, that kept me going through the pandemic was being able to use Hoopla at home. Yeah. yeah and, and listening to audiobooks or reading eBooks or whatever. I mean, even though I wasn't going to the library and getting books I could hold like this. Sure. Um, so anyway, yeah. it's, I think that's, that's the thing I've learned about myself after being retired now for eight years is that my career was curiosity, learning, reading, and sharing information with people in as many ways as I could. Since you've experienced so much of Washtenaw literacy in its first 50 years, if you could imagine us at 100 years, can you? What would you see if you could? Well, you know, this is very glib to say there should be no reason for Washington literacy in 100 years. I agree. I mean, it is a crime that it is that we're going the wrong direction right now. I think there are fewer 
readers, I mean, just our political situation speaks to the fact that there's just too many people that didn't understand history or civics or social studies in school because what they think the government should be doing or not doing or whatever. So so that's my glib answer is, oh, that won't exist in 100 years because we've solved the problem of literacy. On the other hand, I would say in 100 years, if it still is needed, that it would be a holistic spectrum of services. Mm. So I remember a parent saying to me, you know, if my kid could just get a tutor in first grade or kindergarten, we already knew that child was behind. And certainly they're talking that direction with preschool, you know, prioritizing three-year-olds starting to get Mm-hmm. what you need because learning to read is not just about knowing your abc's right. and signing words it's that whole experience of i remember an, another tutor told me that their kid failed on a test he didn't know what a frankfurter was well where does one learn that a frankfurter and a wiener and a hot dog and a bratwurst are all related you mm-hmm. know that has nothing to do with literacy per se It has more to do with the experience of broadening out your view of the world and learning as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I would say nip it in the bud, get kids the help they need when they need it. And, you know, I think education needs to change in some ways as, you know, as you know, we're still doing education much the same we did a hundred years ago with the summers off and the, you know, five day week and kids are going to school at seven in the morning and, you know, all those kind of things. Um, my grandchildren in their high school years, one did new tech, which was all, everybody got a MacBook, and everything was project-based. Mm-hmm. My other granddaughter uh, just graduated from the early college Alliance at EMU she has graduated now with a high school diploma and an associate's degree at 18. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to do any more school right now, but she has an associate's degree. So right. she is primed to do other things. So the uh, choice possibility of giving people the opportunity to maximize the way that they learn by giving them a lot of choices and a lot of help. You know, if you found out that you've got a bunch of kids in third grade or whatever that don't learn well in a 30 class environment. I mean, there's too many people that are auditorily, you know, distracted by all of people. I mean, I can hardly go to a restaurant that's really full because I'm listening to all the what's going, the talk that's going around me. And I'm creating scenarios in my head about, are they married? Are they dating? Is that his (laughs) sister-in-law? Are they having a fight? They're not looking at each other, both looking at their phones. Oh my, you know, so that kind of thing disengages me from the person who's sitting across from me because I'm auditorily distracted. So how would that impact somebody's first, second, third grade education in that situation? So if you knew that that was a factor, how could you maximize that child's learning? So by third grade, they're hitting the road running. I mean, so anyway, I guess that's what I would say is it would be an integrated system, Washington literacy Maybe with me providing the whole spectrum, or maybe that's our piece and, you know, we're partners with people, but it's a more seamless transition. It isn't the parent having to, um, 
okay, I need to go to this agency to get a, a, a somebody to help him when he's in second grade. I need to go to this agency to help him when he's in fifth grade. Oh, well, he didn't make it. So he's graduated. Now I can take him to Washington Literacy. And here he is already 17, 18 mm-hmm. years old, 20, 25, whatever. So anyway, I, I would say if, if, you know, literacy was more integrated into the whole learning uh system uh, the whole lifeline the lifespan life whatever of uh, a person's life lifelong learning is not is not a kitschy phrase it's the way life is yeah and you know for people to have these huge parties you know at graduation while well, you're done with education that's <laughs> it you know you're 18 years old you never have to learn another thing the rest of your life stupid you keep learning every single minute you're awake on this planet. Yeah. I, you know, I saw cicadas and I thought those were just wonderful this summer, you know, then learned about them. How long, how many, da, 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 da. You know, I'm 73. <laughs> so it, it's not too late for anybody. So anyway, that's what I would see in a hundred years is that the whole system of learning becomes lifelong and we're not an anomaly. We're not uh, an add-on. We are thoroughly right there uh, from the get-go with specialization in those who, who didn't get what they needed when they were, you know, under 18. It's not too late for anybody. With these words, Donna reminds us of how crucial literacy and learning are for all of us, regardless of our age or education. As we think about where Washtenaw literacy has been and where we might go, it's important to keep this sentiment with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Literacy Mike. We'll be back again soon with another conversation about learning. Literacy Mike is produced by Washtenaw Literacy. Visit us online anytime, washtenawliteracy.org.